Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba episode 586 I have a special guest rejoining me on the show he's uh, been here many times on Benched with Bubba I had a little luxury of meeting him in person in Arizona where he informed me and I wanted his honest opinion that the Giants farm system is not good anymore and that was very very true uh, <laughs> but it was a great time uh, meeting him and talking to him and you can find all of his amazing work over at rotowire.com he's the lead prospect analyst does the Wednesday uh, dynasty prospect podcast on redwire.com and much much more he's on twitter at real jr anderson james anderson how you doing my friend Bubba, thanks for having me back always a pleasure to, to join you and yeah that was that was a fun time hanging out in arizona it was yeah the home run derby that was a nice twist for the first time uh at fpaz so hopefully they do that for for more because we got to see mervis we got, i think julian was even in the, the derby like that was that was pretty cool so yeah it was a fun time yeah, Heston Kirstead had a really good showing, and he's kind of picked up where he left off there so far this year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, before we go, though, I know I mentioned some of your stuff, but plug everything you got going on. I know you got your top 400 and all kinds of good stuff at Rotowire. Yeah, top 400 prospect rankings. I update those uh, about six times a year. Uh, those will be getting a, a big update right before Memorial Day weekend. And then I'm updating the Dynasty rankings next week. Uh, so top 400 dynasty rankings update will be coming soon. Uh, and then, yeah, the podcast every Wednesday. Um, I tweet out everything from my Twitter account, real JR Anderson. So uh, rotowire.com slash pod for a free trial. If you want to check out the, the ranks next week. Yeah. I've said it many times for all the rotowire guys I've had on and when I've been on other shows that uh, I've been a member of rotowire since college. So like, I highly recommend it people. It's a pretty cool deal and try it out. Uh, before we get into this, just a preface for the listeners here is um, obviously James does amazing dynasty and prospect work. This season is last year was a, a little taste of it. This season's already nuts. We're not even in May yet. And it's just prospect bonanzas everywhere. And so for like a redraft, which is what I usually talk about on the show, it's more of a emphasis than ever. Usually it would be like once or twice a year, you get like a bunch of like with super two hits. Okay. We get a bunch or whatever. Now it's every week. We are we are bidding fab dollars on <laughs> different prospect guys and then hoping they stay because they're not staying anymore. So it's really crazy. So what I'm going to do with James, we're going to hit most of them. I'll probably miss some. We're going to hit most of the big names that either already have had an impact or will have an impact this season at some point in time. We're going to get James' thoughts on a redraft standpoint. So if you want Dynasty, go listen to his podcast. Go check out his, his awesome work. This is more of a redraft approach for those that are listening. All right, let's run through. We'll start with Cleveland here who – it's bonkers. When I was making this outline, I'm looking through like their farm systems and you've outlined it before. They have an embarrassment of riches right now. It is insane what they have going on there. We've seen Logan Allen. We saw Tanner Bybee the other day. Gavin Williams just went up to triple A. Like it is just a slew of stuff. Like police act should be gone any second. Now, hopefully Cal Quantrill struggling. Um, how do you see, I'll let you start with Logan Allen who's pitching again on Sunday. This is we're recording on Friday, the 28th. He's supposed to pitch on Sunday. Big fab coming up for him, potentially. So how do you see Logan Allen playing out going forward? Because, like I said, we've already seen some guys sent back already. Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, the biggest one will be his teammate, uh, Bybee. I think that will be the, the big money. Uh, 
Allen, I'm really unsure what his uh, you know average bid, winning bid is going to be. Uh, he comes with quite a bit less uh, prospect hype, but he did make a kind of significant change uh, in the off season, adding uh, about a mile and a half or an, a mile and a half on the fastball. Uh, it's still like a really you know ninety low nineties pitch, but that's huge for him to not be a guy that was scraping ninety. Um, really good command. And I think the guardians are going to go with the youth movement in the rotation. They just kind of need to, uh, you look at the standings, they're a game under 500. I don't think that's where they want to be. I don't think using Cal Quantrill, Zach Pusak all season is going to get them where they want to go. So, uh, I'm not that worried about Allen or Bybee getting sent back down unless we see some unforeseen struggles from those guys, but I, I wouldn't really be that worried about that with those bids. Okay. That's good. Because yeah, I was talking with Bloomfield about this actually on our Thursday night show. And when we were talking, I looked all of their pitchers, even Quantrill, please. Like they all have multiple options left. Like there's no excuse to be like, Hey, these guys are here. We can't send them down. Like, no, no, you can't. You legit can. That's how the system works. And um, I think you're right. And I'm hoping that's the way it works with Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee. Uh, Bybee was electric in his start like and it wasn't even the fastball per se it was the off-speed pitches he had he was just making professional hitters look silly up there so you think Bybee is gonna be the um hotter commodity do you th- and it sounds like you think he's worth being the hotter commodity based on Logan Allen's fastball and everything um the a question that was actually posed on our show last night I'm I wanna, I'm curious on you out of the two Bybee and Allen they both pitched close to 130-ish innings last year who do you think pitches the most innings this year uh man that's a good question uh i think it's going to be really close uh i don't think either guy's going to have noticeable restrictions on their workload so it'll be determined on how deep they go into games and how healthy they stay i don't really think there's going to be a ton of um you know these guys got stretched out last year like you said so uh I, you know, if I were just kind of looking at the two guys and, and accruing or putting fab dollars, fab bids together, I would kind of look at it as like a three to one in terms of units on Bybee versus units on Allen. Like okay. if I was going to bid 300 on Bybee, I might bid 100 on Allen. Like I kind of see it as that type of gap. Uh, and I think that the market with Bybee, just kind of reading the tea leaves, seeing what people are saying on Twitter and stuff like that, seeing uh, kind of what happened with Taj Bradley and Mason Miller. Like, it's just, I think Bybee is really going to command quite a lot, especially in 15 teamers. And it makes sense because I think Taj kind of, as early as he was called up, surprised some people. Like, not that he didn't warrant it, but it was surprising. Miller definitely was a surprise. So, everyone has been talking between Brandon Fott, who we'll talk about later, and Tanner Bybee. It was like the two names that were kind of thrown around most of uh, even draft season. So I, I think you're right. The hype trains there. Eventually no one's going to have any money to bid the way these <laughs> prospects are coming up. That's the, the, the craziness in it. Um, the last one I'll ask you right here is Gavin Williams. Uh, he's the other, he's the third man in this in this group just made his triple A debut. Like we talked about, how do you see him playing out? Like, I don't know if we, we probably have a little while before we see him, but he looks like he'll have an impact at some time this year. Yeah, I, I really think so. I, like I said, I think they go with the youth movement here in the rotation. I think that's a strength. They need to take advantage of that. And Williams, he just – they had kind of a crowded AAA rotation. Even then, it didn't really make a ton of sense to me and to other people that kind of follow prospects as to why he had to go back to AA, but uh, obviously forced the issue, and now he's at AAA and uh, – probably would be one of their five best starters already if he got the call and they're going to probably go through the motions with uh, maybe another half dozen starts at triple a AAA or something like that but i think we see williams up before the all-star break and uh part of the reason everyone part of the reason these prices have been so high uh, i think i saw uh, rob silver say this on twitter today is that there hasn't been that sort of obvious triple digit closer emerge off of waivers so everyone kind of has this money sitting around and um you know if you, if you spend 350 400 bucks on Bybee this weekend that probably takes you out of like bidding on a guy like Gavin Williams in six weeks eight weeks but uh that's not guaranteed either I mean he could get injured Gavin Williams part of the reason the the Guardians got him 
with the 23rd pick and he didn't go in the, in the top 10 as he did have a decent amount of uh, injuries in his past pre-draft. So uh, I think Williams is going to be the best of these guys long-term, but if you need pitching help now, you know, waiting six, seven weeks on Williams might not be the best move. And that, and you mentioned something I, I've kind of fought with every week. And like, I bid on Taj, didn't really bid on Mason. I'll bid on the, the two guardians this weekend for sure. But um, it's one of those, like, do you want to just let everybody spend all their money now? And then you can get a handful of these guys cheap later. But then, like you said, it's not guaranteed we're going to see these guys. And, uh, and you can also get like Logan Allen or a Bybee from here for the rest of the season where you like, it's, it's a, like a, a battle where in reality you should probably take that what's in the basket right now and go with that. But uh, you can also get like three of these dudes later for a lot, lot cheaper and see where it goes. But instead of having to like stream Geraldo Perdomo or something and, and have that kind of situation. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's, it's rough. Let's go to Baltimore and uh, Gunnar Henderson, not a great start to the year, hitting below 200, striking out 33% of the time. The power is not there because he's not getting on base. Like it's just a, a mess all around the board for Gunnar Henderson I actually wrote in a column to sell low on Gunner, just like I don't believe it's coming anytime soon, at least not the expectations people had. You're the, the man that would know better than I. You actually like paid attention to his minor leagues. So what are your thoughts on this early struggles for Henderson? So I I'm quite concerned for redraft. I think he's a I think he's a buy low in dynasty, but for redraft, like I am concerned, like you are. But unfortunately I think he's kind of you know, I, I don't really play in any redraft leagues where trading plays a, a big role. Um, but I just don't think there's anything all that actionable other than whether you sit or start him, um, lineup period to lineup period. Like, I, I don't think you can drop Gunnar Henderson personally, in, unless you just have like a loaded corner infield situation and there's just not even like random spots where you'd slide him in. Maybe you can move on from him in like a 12 teamer or something. But I do think eventually, like, he will kind of get going at the plate. The big problem, you, you mentioned the strikeouts. Honestly, I think for, for five by five Roto, the walks are as big a problem as the strikeouts are because he's walking 19% of the time and he's striking out 33% of the time. So over 50% of the time, the ball isn't getting put in play. That's a good and point. that just really, that's why he has four RBI right now through 21 games. And uh, I, I believe in the power long-term. I, I believe in him being a guy who will help with stolen bases and he will be a very high OBP guy in his prime, but uh, big time, um, you know, overpay in draft season uh, with Henderson, because it's just, it's going to be really hard for him to have the necessary counting stats to come close to paying that off. And I mean, I, I do think he will hit for a higher average than he, than he currently is, but, it's not like he's going to be hitting like 280 the rest of the season. And that's a, a great point on the walks. I just pulled it up. He has a 21% called strike rate. Like that's ridiculous. So there definitely needs to be um, potentially more aggressiveness, one would say, in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a handful of guys we've actually started seeing that with around baseball that they're being too cautious at the plate and it's costing them um, uh, strikeouts and overall production. So, yeah, maybe he'll turn it around a different approach. That's a, th- a theme we've heard with these young guys that one we'll talk about later approach changes, but um, yeah. Interesting on Henderson. I want to ask you about Joey Ortiz. He got called up on Thursday. Kind of surprised me that he got called up on Thursday, started at second base, hit ninth. Uh, he drove in three, I believe like he had a decent game. What are we thinking on Joey Ortiz? He's, you know, he's a fun player. He, I, I like him uh, as like, I think he's a good enough baseball player to be an everyday um, middle infielder for some team. Uh, but this is such a crowded situation. And I think of the guys they had at AAA, Jordan Westberg, uh, Connor Norby, like Ortiz not only was the one on the 40-man roster already, but he probably had the less or, or the least left to, to prove at AAA. Like he'd kind of done it all. He's the best defender of the three. Uh, so bringing him up to be in a part-time role I think makes sense for a guy like this. He's about to turn 25. Like you don't have to make sure every single prospect has full-time playing time. When you bring them up, Uh, a guy like this can add value even as a part-time player. Uh, So I think he will be fun to watch like for Orioles fans, 
but I just I think he would need he'd still need an injury to somebody to play enough um, to be all that interesting in mixed leagues because he's not a like 25 homer guy or a 20 steal guy he's kind of a, a compiler who you want to be playing every day to get value from gotcha good to know good to know curious to see how much he goes for this weekend because someone's gonna spend money on him it's a it's a prospect so they're going to um you, you mentioned some names we you mentioned uh Hirstead. there's so much talent in baltimore um who should we maybe speculate on or look at if available that might have an impact at some point this year so I think the, the two big guys to me are Jordan Westberg and Colton Kowser. And I think uh, like Westberg's been fantastic. 16 games at AAA. He's been 50% better in league average, strikeout rate under 20%, uh, five home runs, three steals. He can play any position uh, on the dirt. And he's he's a guy that I, I, I guarantee the Orioles view him as an everyday player who's going to be a part of the next great Orioles team. So um when, whenever they decide to start his clock i think he'll come up to play pretty regularly but you know again they're, they're so kind of crowded up there it might not be till june or july and then with Kowser, it's kind of the exact same deal but in the outfield uh, maybe we would see him soon if cedric mullins got injured because Kowser can play center field and could replace him there but if they need a corner outfielder, I think I still think they would go with Kyle Stowers uh, since he's already on the 40 man roster. Um, so I-, I like Stowers, but he's not quite in that Kowser Westberg um, tier in terms of the talent. So uh, I like the idea of stashing Westberg and Kowser in-, in deeper leagues with deeper benches, but we might not see them anytime soon. Gotcha. Good to know. Let's do a quick one here in Boston. We've seen Tristan Costas all year. We were excited for the power, hoping it would develop into a, solid role this year but he almost feels like he has bobby dahlback disease but from the left side he's uh, got three home runs hitting below 200 almost a 30 percent k rate still walks a ton kind of like the gunner henderson situation so what are you thinking with tristan costas because they're giving him run which is what we wanted but eventually it's like how much run are they going to give him yeah this one's tough uh it is a lot of the same stuff i said about gunner i think applies to casas i think he is a a buy low in dynasty, but a really tough player to get value from right now in standard five by five redraft. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm in some leagues where Cassis is, is too good and, and playing too much to even consider cutting bait, but I could see being in some shallower leagues. If you've really got some solid options uh, at your corner infield spots, like if we heard that Matt Mervis was getting the call or something and you could swap out Casas for Mervis, like I think that would make some sense. Um, but it, it's tough to cut a guy like this uh, this early in the season. I did cut him. So we'll see how good uh, – the 12 team. We'll see how that plays sure. out. Yeah, 12 team. Yeah, shallow yeah. 12 team. Totally. Yeah, it, it was still – trust me, it was not an easy thing. But I'm like I'm sitting there looking at the, uh, the roster going, eh, yeah. And it's been a question I've had on a lot of podcasts lately from the listeners – what to do with Tristan Casas. And I'm like, like you said, it's kind of it's definitely league dependent. It's like the boring answer that people hate, but it is league dependent. And, um, and what can you bring in for dropping him? Is, is yeah. I mean, it, you got to keep your eye on his playing time too. Cause like it, it, you can hold him if he's playing, you know, 80% of the time um, in, in like 15 team leagues and stuff, but I am looking and he hasn't started against a lefty since April 15th. Um, but they've mostly played righties in this stretch. So, um, you know, if he, if he's a strong side platoon guy, then it becomes a bit easier to consider moving on, but it's tough to find production out there on the waiver wire in the infield. hundred percent. Uh, Los Angeles angels, Zach Neto got the call here and drafted last season, which is nuts to see up already. Yeah. He's not crushing it, but uh, he's had a couple of good games. I think it's maybe a feeling out process more than anything. Um, he was a popular ad because middle infield is struggling to find on the waiver wire. So what's your thoughts on him going forward this season? Yeah, it was obviously a very aggressive uh, promotion schedule. They had him on. Uh, wasn't that surprising just given that it's the angels and this is kind of what they do. And they didn't have a shortstop coming into the season, but uh, I think it would be a accomplishment for Neto to be like a league average hitter this year as a rookie, like that would, that would be a very impressive feat for him given his 
amount of pro experience to date. He is providing value with the glove. That's partly why he's there. So I don't really see him getting sent back down uh, anytime soon. I mean, if we get to like early June and he's got, you know, he's still really struggling to hit for power, still not taking any walks. Maybe we could see him sent back down, but uh, I don't think you got to worry about playing time in the short term, but I do think you got to worry about the production. Like, he, he just got rushed so aggressively. It'd be kind of weird if he was good right now. Uh, like, if he was really good right now, that would mean he was one of the best young players in the entire True. game, right? So um, limit your expectations, I guess. Yep, with you on that one. With Logan O'Hoppy going down, this might just be like a complete shot in the dark. Max Stasi eventually will come back, even like he's having setbacks. Um, is there a chance maybe we see Edgar Cuero come up, one of their big prospects in double A? Yeah, I, I think we can't rule that out just because of the team we're talking about here. Uh, but I don't, I'm not really looking at him as a 2023 guy. Even if you told me he was getting the call in like two or three weeks, that just would be crazy for him to skip over high A, play like 20 games at double A, skip over triple A, and have success in the big leagues while learning how to catch big league pitchers and his defense is by far the worst part of his game. So it's just so much is going on here with the profile that I just, it would be really wild to me if he got up to the big leagues and had success. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting. You said the, the angels, you never know. Um, twins. I, I just put it, they have a ton of prospects on the list. I like guess you look, they're close. A lot of guys in triple a, are there any we should be looking at? We already saw Edward Julian come up, and I was kind of pessimistic initially because of all the guys coming back. He'll probably get a call again at some point. But is there is there someone we should look at that might have a, a, an actual big-time impact this year? I, I'm still a Royce Lewis guy. So I, I think once he's healthy, once he does his rehab assignment, I'm sure it'll be uh, you know several-week rehab assignment and stuff. But uh, I think he could come back around the All-Star break and – be an impact player from day one for fantasy. Uh, but like you said, I mean, I do, I do think guys like Bailey Ober, you know, obviously he needs to be added with the uh, Kenta Maeda issue, but he's not really a prospect, but like the infield is so crowded. Uh, you know, we saw Julian get sent down. I think it's going to be, it's going to be tough for one of those guys to come back up and play enough without a, an injury to someone. Um, I think Matt Walner's like interesting, but that's like a super deep name. Um, it's it's mostly Royce Lewis for me with Minnesota. Yeah, I, I you know the tout rules, the, the tout wars rules. I drafted Royce just so I could stock him on the IL with nice. my last picks because I'm with you. I I was a guy that bid on him last year. Like the talent's ridiculous. Just stay like don't just don't get too close to Byron Buxton. Like he seems to be getting hurt. Just <laughs> as, like don't whatever water he's drinking, don't drink it, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, New York Yankees, one of the most hyped up prospects like it was jordan walker in the national league and it was anthony volpe in the american league coming in the draft season volpe um he's been good he's been better let's put it that way once they put him into a leadoff role he's actually kind of found a little niche for himself still not elite though not jumping off the page what are your thoughts on volpe and do you think he might still like i think there's still more to come obviously he's getting like he keeps getting better is what i'm saying so i'm not like super out but what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far and what you expect yeah, he's I, – I wasn't on him. I wasn't on Jordan Walker, but Volpe's been better than I expected. Um, and I would say significantly better than I expected, especially since moving to leadoff. Uh, he has been getting on base. I get a 390 clip as the leadoff guy, uh, 277 average. Um, how many steals? He's got two as the leadoff guy, six as the, the ninth hitter. So not running as much since he moved up there. But I, I really thought he was going to be uh, overmatched early in the season, and he was for, like, a couple weeks. But it seems like he's kind of hitting his stride now. So I don't think you got to worry about him getting sent down uh, anytime soon, and probably not at all. And uh, definitely a hold in, in all roto formats for me just because of the, the speed and what he's shown since moving to the leadoff spot. Yeah, no, in the leadoff spot, it's been a, a nice mix for him. So I'm, I'm... – Curious now, but I, w- I wasn't on him either. I have zero, zero shares of Anthony Volpe anywhere. Uh, Oakland Athletics, Mason Miller was the talk of the town last week, as you already said. Dude's electric. There's not denying a thing there. Um, we've all discussed the concerns of innings and 
pitches and everything for the season, but people still spent a lot. And, you know, he kind of came back to earth a bit in his recent start, four runs over four innings, still six Ks against the Angels. So he's getting the strikeouts. He's going four to five innings, kind of what we expected from Mason Miller. What are your expectations the rest of the way? I think he's going to be good. I, I really do. I think, uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't take him over, um, you know, like Taj Bradley, but I, I would happily take Mason Miller on any of my redraft teams, even my really shallow ones. I think uh, his best starts are ahead of him in the big leagues and the strikeout punch is enough for me to kind of overlook the fact that wins are going to be hard for him to, to get on that team. Uh, but he is, you know, I, for five by five Roto, I like Mason Miller a lot. There are formats that people play in where you're trying to get quality starts and stuff like that. And if a pitcher's value depends a lot on the wins or the quality starts, then Miller really takes a hit. But if wins are only 20% of the, the pitching stats, like they are in 5 by 5 Roto, I think there's a spot for him, and I'd be happy to have him. Um, maybe you overpaid for him, and maybe you wish that you hadn't spent quite as much for him, but I, I think he's still a guy that deserved to go for triple digits in fab. And I think he'll pay it off with the strikeouts. Yeah. That's what you're hoping for is the strikeouts in a big, big way with Mason Miller. Uh, you mentioned Taj Bradley. Let's talk to him for Bay Rays. Um, Taj Bradley was amazing in three starts. I talked about it recently. Even his last start gives up like three runs early to a Houston team and still settles down pitches five strong. Like, that's everything you want to see from a young pitcher. Like did not let it bother him at all. The K, to, the K to walk ratio is like 35%, give or take, in that range. He was awesome. Now, they're manipulating his his time. I think that's pretty clear to say. I don't, like, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't, I've never one person that buys their excuse. Um, but what are your thoughts? I'm, I'm hoping three to four weeks we get him back, and he's good. But what's your thoughts on Taj Bradley? Um, I'm not going to say anything uh, with any kind of confidence here because even if they're – like they could be clearly manipulating his time, but then send him back, like bring him back up and then send him back down again. Like at a point, like around the all-star break or something, they could give him like three weeks off. Um, so there's, there's ways of manipulating his time where you don't have to keep him down this entire stretch. And I look at their rotation um, and I just, I could see the temptation um, if I were, part of that team to have him come back up sooner than that. But even if we just assume he's down the the full time for them to get that extra year of control, he's just a hold, right? Like, I think he's a hold in any format. And so it's just, it's not that actionable. It's really annoying. Uh, but I just don't think there's anything we can really do. Yeah. I'm doing everything in my power to not drop Taj Bradley. Like I want that guy for his, whatever he comes back up and down, whatever they yo-yo him with, I want him in my rotation. Yeah. When he's I mean, here. if you if you can drop Taj Bradley, that should mean that your pitching staff is just yeah. bingo. That's a great point. Like you have zero concerns, you should be winning the overall and pitching at that point in time. Um, a couple other guys, they have Curtis Mead and Kyle Manzardo are having nice starts to AAA. They've been talked about pretty widely as uh, the next guys up offensively. Uh, what are your expectations? Do we do we see these guys anytime soon? Like every time I look, Kyle Manzardo's hitting a bomb somewhere. It, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I came into the year expecting Mead to be up uh, significantly sooner than Manzardo, but uh, I think I'm gonna gonna jump ship on that one uh, just because Manzardo's been significantly better than Mead here in the early going. Uh, I think it's just a slow start for me. I'm not panicking if I've got Mead and he's kind of heated up here over the last uh, four or five games. But even though he's on the 40-man roster and Manzardo's not, I think Manzardo just kind of looks like a guy that doesn't have anything left to prove at AAA. And the Rays want to win a World Series. So, you know, you're not going to keep Manzardo down this entire season if he performs like this. So there's not really any benefit to holding him down for two more months. If you're going to bring him up at some point. True. Very true. Let's switch to the national league for now. We'll talk Arizona diamondbacks. And that's pretty simple who we're going to talk about now. Brendan fought who everyone wanted up by now, thought would be up by now. 
if you wa- read through the tea leaves, which you probably shouldn't do with the Diamondbacks by now, it feels like there's a spot opened up like in the next beginning of the next week. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. If, if, it's like if it doesn't happen, then just trade them or something. It's I don't know what's going on. And the beautiful thing is, you mentioned with like we've mentioned with Allen and Bybee and even Taj Bradley. Fox stretched out. He pitched 167 innings last year. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy that when he comes up, he should go. So mm-hmm. what's your expectations on him? And when do you just speculate and why I think he's coming? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. I would like, I wouldn't be that scared to put him in my starting lineup next week. Um, okay. Even if we don't have confirmation, uh, I'm with you. Like it, it just would make absolutely zero sense for him to not be up uh, next week. It would have made zero sense for them to have him make his big league debut in course field this weekend. Yeah. I understand yeah. that, but, uh, I expect him to be up next week, and he's he's still my my number one pitching prospect. I think he's just the the total package. I really love that you can bank on more innings from him probably rest of season than any other pitching prospect. Yep. He not only can go deep in terms of you know he could throw 180 innings this season, uh, but he goes deep into starts. He's had uh, pretty consistent success in the toughest league to pitch in in a tough home park. And he had a really rough first start of the season at AAA, but since then he's got a 111 whip, uh, 23 Ks and 21 and two-thirds innings. Again, pitching in just these extreme hitting environments. So uh, I think he's going to have success, and I think we see him next week. Yeah, if he can do this in Reno, I'm pretty pumped on what he could do in Arizona with a humidor. So, uh, yeah, and and it's, it's something we both just said is and that's why I, I put money on Bradley. wasn't as optimistic on Miller, even though I agree with his stuff. I want to be able, if I'm going to spend a bunch of money, I want to know they got innings coming. Like, that's a big, big thing because we know they're all going to get shut down, most of them, at some point in time. Fought legit could go 190 this year. No one would be yeah. surprised. Like, that's that's a full season. That's amazing. Not many pitchers do that anymore. So, that's a great thing. Uh, Dre Jamison just got sent back down. This can be a quickie. We saw him last year have his moments of being pretty good. He still is, you know, young and could develop differently. Do you have any optimism on him this season? Yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Dre Jamison. Uh, that doesn't mean he's a hold, uh, but like I, I just think it's it's so early. Um, he does have some things he could work on at AAA. I think we'd probably see him in like six weeks and he'll probably be up for good at that point. So uh, wouldn't be saying we're not going to get any value out of Dre Jameson the rest of the year, but probably not a hold. 
Uh, Blake Walston would be the last guy I'll ask you for another pitcher in Arizona because when it comes to hitting, their their big dogs are a year away or two maybe. They're close. They're close. They're really close. Like they're the next like Orioles system, it feels like. Um, what are your thoughts on Walston? Is he going to be an impact at all this year? Is it more just he's doing really well in the minors? Uh, yeah, I don't even think he's doing that well in the minors. But, again, like it's not it's – not a a knock on him necessarily like Ryan Nelson, Dre Jamison, they put up terrible stats uh, at AAA last year and the Diamondbacks are ask, asking Walston to pitch in the PCL after he kind of treaded water at AA last year. So I just, I think he's kind of uh, like Walston's prospect stock has fallen quite a bit for me, uh, more walks and strikeouts right now at AAA. So I, I wouldn't be counting on him for anything this year. Beautiful. That is music to my ears to tell me that. Um, Chicago Cubs, there's two bats, at least, that um, I've watched every day do something well, and everybody that's on Cubs Twitter is <laughs> furious about Hosmer and Mancini and all like Rios, all these guys. It's the same tweet almost every day, just change the date timestamp. And uh, Christopher Morrell's the first one, 23 years old. Um, he's got the power. He's got some speed. He's at 10 home run. He's some moonshots the last couple of days. Just great. PCL, it's a grain of salt, but moonshots. Um, when are we thinking this actually happens? Because I'm I'm the person that believes, though, don't call these guys up to platoon them. Like you mentioned with Joey Ortiz, he's a good platoon guy. If Morell and we'll talk about Mervis get called up, they need to play. So what's your thoughts on Morell? It's just really, really frustrating because I – I can put myself in the team shoes and I wouldn't have brought in Eric Hosmer. Yeah. Uh, so that's like the one thing I would have done differently, but they, they're getting like their best players so far, just in terms of wins above replacement, all play the positions that Morrell would play. And I would much rather see Morrell playing every day than Patrick wisdom. If I were a Cubs fan, or even if I were in the Cubs front office, but you know, he was the, best player on their team for like a 10 day stretch earlier this month. So um, it's just, I'm sure it's tough kind of in that clubhouse trying to figure out a way to navigate this with the morale playing time, uh, but he's not learning anything at AAA. really want to see him up ASAP. I just don't know when that's going to be. And then with Mervis, I do think we see the Hosmer DFA Mervis contract selected corresponding move probably in like 10 days or two weeks. Like I think that's an obvious move. Mervis doesn't have anything left to do at AAA. They're probably just trying to do right by Hosmer and not bail on him too quickly, but uh, that's that's an easy move for them to make in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm with you there. I've actually been telling people that actually want to listen to my advice that um, I was looking at – because I play a lot of OCs. You play more mains. I play more OCs, I think. You do play some OCs, though, I believe. Yeah, I'm, um, in, a, I'm in a few. Yeah. Mervis is available in a handful of them, and I was sitting there last week like – he was on a lot of my I, your wonderful term that's everywhere now waterfalls this past week and um, didn't get him because I got other guys but uh, he's definitely gotten started to spec on for sure. Uh, the last Chicago Cub I will ask you about is Brennan Davis, the 23 year old outfielder. If if Morell's already crowded, that means Brennan Davis is crowded as well because Morell plays infield and outfield. Um, what's your thoughts on Brennan Davis potentially? Yeah, I just I think the the back issue has kind of robbed him of his powers uh he has been just a bad hitter uh period basically since the start of last season and he's missed a ton of time with that back issue i thought there was a chance that he could be just a big post hype breakout guy this year uh but it just doesn't look like that's happening so i, I don't really think he's uh, redraft relevant at least not until further notice all righty, it's called Cincinnati Reds. Ellie De La Cruz made his debut like a week or so ago after being on the IL. Uh, everyone's excited about him, obviously, because he's got the power, he's got the speed. Slow start, to say the least. Lots of strikeouts for De La Cruz. Um, this is a Reds team that obviously could use him at some point this year, It's unless they want to just manipulate time also, because that's what they could do. Um, what's your thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz? Yeah, I, I don't think he's a 2023 guy. Uh, I think he's... He might come up this year. I think he will hit for a very low average and strike out a ton if he does come up. Uh, I think Matt McClain is probably the red that we could see come up uh, in in the coming weeks. He's been way, way better than De La Cruz at the plate this year. 
Uh, so if if we get a couple more weeks of data on McLean and he just looks like he's in complete control at AAA, we could see him. But uh, I know Ellie's got the name value, uh, massive long-term ceiling, but he would just get destroyed by big league pitching, I think, if he came up anytime soon. All right, good to know. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, Miguel Vargas. This is one everybody wanted for the power, some speed. It's pretty much been a whole lot of walking so far this year, not a lot else. Um, strikeout rate's less than 20%, so that's great, but the walk rate's almost 20% as well. I'm not giving up on Miguel Vargas by any means. Like I think he could figure it out. They're going to keep running him out there. But what what are your uh, thoughts on him going forward? Is this kind of just a transition year, and maybe in another year or so we see the real power show up, or are you kind of a believer it's going to show up later this season? Well, I think he's – I haven't lost any faith in him long term, but – it's kind of, it's really kind of the, the gunner thing. Um, yep. Very, very similar because, you know, they're, they're just walking so much and it's really limiting their power output. Um, yeah. I, I thought Vargas was going to have a, a really strong season and he might be kind of trending towards like next year, like being a post type guy. Um but I don't really see a ton of reason for optimism that he's going to just go on a tear anytime soon. Um, so he's, he's kind of another guy where it's a tough guy to drop, but also a tough guy to hold, especially in shallower leagues. Yeah. Uh, it's been tricky. Like I've dropped him in one twelve, kept him in another. It's been very, very tough in his scenario. Uh, Michael Bush, I'm just going to mention him because he's talented and a high prospect, but I think we can both also agree that when, whenever Max Muncie comes back any day now, Bush probably goes back to AAA. But maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. So what's your thoughts on, on Bush, uh, Michael Bush, for the rest of the season? Maybe we see him again or something? Uh, yeah, I mean, Muncy's, I think, supposed to be back today. So I wouldn't okay. be surprised if Bush has been optioned by the time people listen to this. But, probably. Um, you know, he, he's he's a guy who's talented. He's got a chance to be like a nice 3 true outcome masher. But uh, I don't see room for him with the Dodgers um, as things currently stand. All right, let's talk Gavin Stone. It's almost – it's not as bad as the Brendan Fought thing, but it's almost got to that point, like, what are we doing? Why, why hasn't he come up yet? You know, Michael Groves now injured and everything, but they keep finding ways to manip- go around Gavin Stone. I still feel like he's close, like really close to having his moment. What's your expectations for Stone? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think we're close. He got off to kind of a weird start to the year where he just – wasn't really striking people out that much. Uh, had like a four walk game, um, but his last two starts, he's been the exact pitcher we thought he would be. Uh, the guy he was in spring training. So yeah, I, I mean, he's already one of their five best starting pitchers. I think we see him in. Yeah, I think we see him before Memorial Day. Yeah, I I started adding him this past week, so I hope it's real soon. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> Bobby Miller is the other nice young arm they got there in AAA. Stone's the one we, I think we all agree we see first. He's the higher accoladed one. But Miller might get some, you know, maybe second half run potentially, if at all. What are you thinking on uh, Bobby Miller? Yeah, I think he's – I think he just needs – Miller has some stuff to, to kind of work on in the minors. I don't think he's a finished product. Obviously very high ceiling, and when Miller is – pitching well he looks like one of the best pitching prospects in the game but uh he struggled with consistency he struggled with uh injuries recently uh just you know i, I think he's I, I just think he's a 2024 guy really uh, in terms of getting steady fantasy production all right let's talk the brew crew in your backyard in wisconsin and we'll start with bryce terang who's up with the team, couple. Sorry, two guys up with the team. We'll start with Bryce Terang, who I think we all, most of us, had the expectations. You know, he hit for an okay average. There's not a ton of power. He'll steal some bags. Like he's maybe better real life, but he's got some fantasy appeal coming into the draft season. He had that big grand slam early on, so everyone's like, "Oh, this is Bryce Terang. It's great." It's kind of slowed down a bit. He's uh, not even playing every day, which is a little bit of a conundrum. So, how are we feeling on Bryce Terang now? Yeah, he was someone where I was just not really in on at all. And then I had a ton of, like, oh, crap, did I just totally get that one wrong after that first weekend? And <laughs> and then, like, since then, I'm just kind of more like, okay, this this makes more sense. Um, yeah. 
So I, it, it's a tough one because he is a really, really good defender. Uh, they definitely sort of constructed the roster to have this second base platoon ready to go. Um, but I don't know how much longer they can let him just be a, a total zero at the plate, uh, which he kind of has been for a few weeks now. Um, so, I, you know, he's, he's probably going to steal, you know, 15, 20 bases this year if he stays up. But that's really the one category that I feel decent about. So if you're doing okay in speed, I think he's a cut. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm starting to lean. I liked him this year just because he was so late in drafts as like a you know middle infield option, and that's quickly going away. Uh, Joey Weimer is a dude I love. Two years ago in the fall league, watching him play was just amazing. The hair flowing, just the, the everything about Joey Weimer was great. Gets the call. He's had really good games, had some just quiet stretches, and you kind of expect that, at least I do, from first-time guys up there. You know, with, with Garrett Mitchell done for the season, that's big. Sal Frelick's out six to eight weeks now with the thumb surgery. It kind of, I think, gives Joey a little more, let's say, runway to work with here. And he's playing center field now instead of right field. So what are we thinking on Joey? Because, he, like I said, he should be up for at least a couple months for sure unless something goes crazy for him. Yeah, I think Weimer is is a hold. I think his glove is – I mean, he watching him play defense is just a, a, a real treat. Uh, and he's heating up like I think over so over his last seven games, uh, hitting 348 home run, a steal, uh, three doubles, and he's kept that strikeout rate in check. And that was really surprising to me to see him, you know, really all season he's been striking out at like a, a 21% clip. But I thought he would strike out over 30% of the time as a rookie. Early on, it seemed like he was maybe sacrificing impact for contact. But now we're starting to see him you know, hit some extra base hits. Um, he's just got such a high ceiling for for power and speed that I think you let him kind of play through the rough stretches because he could heat up and really carry your team. Um, so I, I like the upside the rest of the way. I like that he's kept the strikeout rate in, in check and the defense should keep him in the lineup. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Joey fan. Uh, last brewer I will ask about is Ethan Small. And, you know, he's working out of the bullpen in AAA. That was kind of a no start so far, seven appearances. You know, the strikeouts are really nice. He's had a, two bad outings technically. Everything else has been shut down outings. What are we thinking on Ethan Small? Because this is a Brewers team, as you know. They love to just load up that bullpen at times, especially with their questionable like depth of starting pitching that can go deep into games, all these injury histories. So what do we think about Ethan Small? Yeah, I think he's just kind of a, a reliever for them, uh, potentially a guy that gets more than three outs out of the bullpen, but he just he doesn't have starter level command and he probably doesn't have like ninth inning caliber command. Um, so I think he's just kind of a, a multi-inning high strikeout, middle relief type of guy long-term. Uh, kind of a a significant outlier in terms of the Brewers' uh, recent uh, pitching prospect success story. Gotcha. Um, New York Mets, Francisco Alvarez. We were all, well, a lot of people were excited. I was very concerned when the first thing Buck Showalter says <laughs> is we like Nito's defense. And for anybody that knows old school managers, they love that stuff. So the second he said that, I was like, okay, I'm tempering all fab bits on this one. Cause I like just, and so far I've been right. That could obviously change. I'm not stupid. Eventually if, if Alvarez starts hitting the ball, like we think he can, there's eventually Nito just guys to get out of the way. So what's your thoughts though? Cause right now I think Alvarez just hit his 10th game or he's only played nine games so far. It's literally almost an every other day thing. Yeah, he, he does have catch eligibility. Okay, so he I, just hit it then, okay. I was able to plug him in for Darno in a, in a DC uh, today for the, for the first time. So um, <laughs> just in time for the weekend there. Uh, and he, he is healthy. He was out of the lineup. Uh, or he exited the lineup after getting hit on the head yesterday. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I It was very obvious that Showalter was going to sort of make Alvarez earn the – the lion's share of the work there. Uh, and it look, Nido is the better defender and he knows how to work with the pitchers better probably. So uh, that part of it, it's not untrue, but obviously you do want to get the guy who's just a way, 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 way better hitter. Um, you know, at least like 60% of the start. So 
I mean, in, in two catcher leagues, he's the guy that you should be starting. Someone should be starting. Yep. I'm with you. It's just, it's just funny that, uh, Buck is going to do veteran managerial things. Um, and he's doing it with Brett Beatty a bit too. Like literally it's a strict platoon. Beatty faces righties. Eduardo Escobar faces lefties. That's what it's been right now. And Beatty hit his first home run. Uh, I think it was Thursday, uh, when he went deep and he's hitting well, 321. And it's super small sample, obviously, but he's doing a little bit of what you'd expect when he's in the lineup. So similar to Alvarez, I'm thinking we both agree eventually it's going to be his role. But uh, how are we feeling on Beatty for the rest of the season? I think he'll he'll be be very solid. I don't I don't think he's going back down. Uh, the platoon thing, you know, that could just linger. I don't know when that's going to go away, but you can time it right with the matchups probably, and he's got enough power uh, in a good enough lineup where. I think he just he's kind of a lower end uh corner infielder in mixed leagues uh, with the potential to go on a heater and really carry you let's talk pittsburgh pirates they have a, a lot of prospects but a lot of them are outfield though unfortunately oh no they have a handful of infielders too they have a lot of prospects that are close similar to the that um you know, the orioles and twins that, I was, that we were talking about earlier so how are you like looking at the pirates farm system because it, usually we wouldn't care but they're actually relevant this season and they're putting up runs. So if, if someone gets called up, this might actually have fantasy implications. So what are we thinking on the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah, I think we see Andy Rodriguez around the exact same time we saw O'Neill Cruz last year, post-Super awesome. 2, so like mid-June probably for Andy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love what we've been seeing from G1 Bay. Um, you know, Luis Ortiz on the pitching side, I think, is going to be heard from. He's really kind of in control at AAA right now, not missing as many bats as, as you'd hope, but I think he's generating just a ton of weak contact. Uh, so I think Luis Ortiz and that rotation will be fun here in the coming weeks. Um, Henry Davis is at AA, so I, I don't really think he's a, a 2023 impact guy. Uh, so it's, it's mostly Andy Rodriguez and Luis Ortiz among the guys still in minors for me. I have a lot of DC teams. I would love to see Andy Rodriguez get called up. That would be really, really nice. Uh, a question for Luis Ortiz. Like all offseason, it felt like he was getting all the hubbub and not Johan Oviedo. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously we've seen what Oviedo's done. Small sample, but it it's a, looks like a different pitcher. Like we could say that much. Uh, do you still think Ortiz is the guy that is the better pitcher? Probably, I don't know if we can Ooh. say this year per se, but long term. Oh, that's a good one. Um I think I would probably go with Oviedo at this point. Um, Just give me, you know, a lot of the times it's just like the easy answer of like, give me the guy who's healthy and in the big leagues. Um, And he's been very impressive. I'm really upset. Like I waited one week too many before going after him and missed out. Um, Really excited about what he brings to the table. I think Ortiz would be great too, but, Ortiz is not a finished product either, and Oviedo is having success. Very, very good. St. Louis Cardinals, Jordan Walker, bye-bye. This was always a concern in my mind just because there's so many outfielders in St. Louis. Like, Tyler O'Neill can't even play regularly, and he's pretty darn good. So, and Walker's having his struggles. Like, we can admit that too, and he, they flat out said he's working on a new approach, a new swing. Yeah, he needs to do it every day in AAA. That's pretty simple. So, like, I kind of understood what they were saying. But what do you expect coming for, going forward? Because he's going to be back. We know how talented he is. You weren't in on him during draft season, you said, probably for the price tag alone, let alone maybe expectations. So where are we at with Jordan Walker right now? Yeah, uh, I definitely – I kind of saw that move coming. Um, I mean, it wasn't that hard to see coming, I guess. But I, I know – I think you called people... it on your Wednesday show like hours I, later. I, like I he did. was I, gone. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. But I – and, you know, I think so, a lot of people just get kind of too sort of emotionally invested on these guys. And it's kind of you you put them up on a pedestal of like, this is like one of my favorite prospects. Like, how could they possibly send him back down? But it just made all the sense in the world. Like, he was the obvious guy to get sent back down. Um, and the defense is a big part of that. And it's no, it's no shame to be a guy who came up as a third baseman and is massive, like six foot five and huge and isn't that great at right field. Like that's not a huge knock on Jordan Walker, but it's the truth. And 
Uh, I think a big thing is Nolan Gorman just really took no. the DH job, and I I didn't see that coming. Are we believing in Are we believing in Gorman? I think he's. Uh, I've seen enough to. You know, I, I kind of joked. I, I don't know how, if I'm ready to take the L on Gorman, but it's it's trending towards an L. I think it's it's more well, likely to be an L than a one. So we're on the same page. Like I, Bloomfield and I fought about this on Thursday night. We don't disagree often. We disagreed on this one. I'm like, I believe the changes we're seeing with Nolan Gorman. Yeah. yeah. Where like, so that was that was. I was curious your thoughts on a guy that has watched him from the beginning until now, and I, I and that was one of the big guys. I, think I had you on the show a year or two ago, and. When he was getting hyped up, and you and you, it was drilled into my head. Then you mentioned his strikeout rate in AAA, and then you talked about how the strikeouts, if they're striking out a ton in AAA, there's gonna be issues in the bigs, and it correlated perfectly with Nolan Gorman. So I was curious on what your thinking is there, because you know, people develop. That's how it yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, and he's and he's he he's about to turn 23, and he already made these Super these like adjustments, right? Like that's just yeah. very encouraging. Yep. Uh, the other player from St. Louis I was curious about was Matthew Libertor, big time pitcher. Um, St. Louis just they have their like steady rotation. Wayne Wright's coming back soon, but you know, same time you know Stephen Matz hasn't looked great all the time. Mikolas has had his ups and downs. There seems like there'll be a time for Libertor, but I don't know when it is compared to like these other pitching prospects we've discussed. So how do you kind of look at him in a redraft format? I think he's going to be heard from, and I love the fact that he's added velocity to the fastball. Uh, I was not in on Libertor at all coming into spring training. And then once it was clear he was sort of sitting mid-90s with his fastball, that was kind of a game changer for me. Uh, you know, I think they went with Jake Woodford first to fill in for Wainwright because they wanted the next time they bring Libertor up to be the final time. I don't think they wanted to keep bringing him back and forth. But I think the next time there's like a lengthy opening in that rotation, it will be Libertor. And it's a great team context, obviously. Uh, the uptick in Velo has me bullish to the point where I would be fairly aggressive about going to get him if he uh, joined that rotation. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, any other prospects? I know we didn't go every team because like certain teams just don't have much to offer. Um, anybody else that I missed that we should have discussed as a, for a redraft this season, potentially? Um, I think we pretty think much got them. Yeah. I mean, one, one guy I'll just throw out, um, mentioned him on my Wednesday show, uh, Justin Henry Malloy with the Tigers. Okay. Uh, you know, he's not gonna be like a league winner, but he's clearly an upgrade at third base over what they've been getting from guys like Nick Maton. Uh, and he's just dominating at AAA right now. So I think we'll see Malloy fairly soon, but uh, you shouldn't have to bid more than you know, 10, 20 bucks in fab to get. Okay, cool. Uh, just for fun, I have a question for you. We talked about a lot of really good pitchers, and a lot of pitchers that we're all high on. I, I, and this is just total, just shooting in the, the dark here. Per fab dollar, potentially, who do you think has the best value this season as an acquisition? Okay, so we're we're including are we including like the guys who've already been the guys who have already been up because you've spent more money on them, right. but you might get more out of them, or the guys later on like say it's Libertor when prices are cheaper, mm-hmm. like so it's it's a total shot in the dark situation. But you kind of I have the idea yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying here. Yeah, yeah. I Who totally do you think's the you. best value we're going to see this season? Um, yeah, I think Libertor is a good name. Uh, Fott doesn't really count because I think people just drafted and stashed him. Yeah. Um, you know, Gavin Williams is a big dark horse. Like, if Gavin Williams comes up, say, like, June 1st, and people have spent enough money already where he's going for, like, 100 125 bucks or something like that, I think it could be Gavin Williams. Uh, but I also think – I also think there's something to be said for just – you know, I, I don't think – people that bid on Taj Bradley should feel bad about their process. And I think at the end of the year, I still think Taj Bradley's earned uh, dollars will support those bids. Yeah. I'm with you there. I guess one name I did forget just cause I'm a Homer now. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kyle Harrison? Cause I'm out oh, right yeah. now. I'm out, but, <laughs> yeah, okay, but, but what changed my mind real quick is <laughs> Zahidi was getting interviewed and they asked him because he mentioned in the farm system right now, they're trying to get all their pitch starters to pitch four innings 
accept Harrison because they foresee him having an impact this season. And I'm sitting there going, what impacts that? Because I'm watching his games and it's not pretty. But they're expecting him to be up with the big club at some point this season. Yeah. Which is nuts. Um, <laughs> I just – I don't – I don't – it would be really surprising to me if he had any success early okay. on at That's least. how I feel, yeah. Like he just walks – Let's. I want to pull up his walk rate. He's like, only like twenty-one. He's so young. He's like, got a twenty-seven percent walk rate this season. <laughs> is that bad? So, is that bad? So, I'm curious. <laughs> like, if you want to tell me that a guy who through five starts has a twenty-seven percent walk rate is going to help your big league rotation later mm-hmm. this season, I mean, that's that's I'm your call. But I, I I'm not, I'm not buying uh, it. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not on him. But yeah. like when yeah, I heard, literally heard the interview, I was like, what? Like, are you seeing what we're all seeing here? Like, because I used to be a big fan of Zahidi. I'm kind of questionable as a Giants guy lately about certain moves. But when he came out and said that, I was like, that's a little baffling for me. Um, Let's do, we have a couple listener questions. I'll hit you with real quick and then we'll sign on out of here. Um, Tom Braun asks, Evan Carter has been unstoppable so far in Frisco. Do you see a pathway for him to the majors this summer? Do you think he is successful there? I think it's in play. I think he's been so good uh, already at double A that I think, and you look at the Rangers and just sort of how aggressive they've been about trying to push up their competitive window. They're tied for first in the division right now. Um, Like Evan Carter has 184 WRC plus at double A and was also awesome there to finish last year. So he's already at 21 games at double-A. I mean, I, I think it's it's possible to me that we see him, like, middle of the summer come up and have success. Like, he does have the type of skill set where you could see him having success right away, uh, just that type of advanced approach. Um, he's a guy who gets to his power – it's, it's definitely hit over power and the power he gets to is just because of how good of a hitter he is. It's not like big time plus raw power, but uh, I, I could see him hitting double digit home runs in like 80 games. Uh, and he could definitely steal double digit bases too. So I would not have seen this coming or I wouldn't have ruled it out, but I wouldn't have said it was likely before the season. But I think based on Carter's start, based on where the Rangers are, uh, Dustin Harris, I thought was going to be the guy who would come up and play left field in the middle of the year it's looking more likely that Evan Carter's kind of passed him in terms of ETA. So I wouldn't rule that one out. Sweet. Uh, Kyle Secreason asks, um, he's curious on the outlook of Emmett Sheehan long-term. If you think he's more likely to be part of the Dodgers future or moved around the deadline, like Josiah Gray, because of their abundance of young pitching. I think he's a keeper. Uh, he's, he's maybe my favorite minor league pitcher to watch pitch, uh, Emmett Sheehan has it's it might be the best fastball um, when you factor in movement and velocity. It, like Emmett Sheehan has has like the Joe Ryan fastball, but it sits in the upper nineties and he can locate it. Uh, he's got this deadly changeup that plays perfectly off the fastball. Um, I don't like. I think you probably break a guy in like this out of the bullpen initially. Uh, but I, I just can't picture the Dodgers moving this arm, uh, whether he's a starter, whether he's just a ridiculously good reliever. I think they want to have this guy in the organization. Yep. That's just what a Giants fan loves to hear. Um, <laughs> Mags asks, in terms of fab allocation prep, how many hitting and pitching prospects left in the minors still that you think will average 15 to 20% winning bids when they are called up? That's a loaded question. <laughs> hmm. Um, okay, so I think I think Royce Lewis will, um, and he might be. Man, he might be the only hitter left that would require that much. Um, well, Manzardo, Manzardo would. Yeah, um, Manzardo would. Maybe Mervis? No. Uh, well, how many leagues is he? I guess. It were I feel available, like he's going to be stashed probably yeah, more probably than right. so. Um, but yeah, Manzardo, Royce Lewis on the hitting side, and 
a lot of these guys on the pitching side. Yeah, I mean, it's a loaded pitching world right, right. there. Yeah, so I mean, like Bybee, yes, Gavin Williams, yes, uh, Gavin Stone's probably already being stashed. Um, let's see, Fott's already Lo- being stashed. Logan Allen, because he wasn't yeah, available. I, <laughs> I think I think Logan Allen might go for less than fifty percent. What, what, what yeah, do you think? What be. do you think like the average winning bid on Logan Allen will be in like twelve teamers? And a twelve team, it's the Wild West. It's uh, so much fun in there. Um, the average, you're probably right, actually. When I think 15%, you're thinking 150 plus potentially. Um, he's probably closer to one, I'd say 125. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I would you rather get, would you rather bid 300 on, or no, would you rather bid 400 on Bybee or 150 on Allen? The person that I am, it's, it's Allen because I want to okay. have, I want to have options later. I'm not. I, I'm not a guy that rarely ever bids a ton of money, and it, sometimes that's my detriment. I, I know that very well. But yeah, I, I think that. Like, I think if I wanted both of those guys, I would. It would be 400 on Bybee and 150 on Allen. Like, my sort of. I want to make sure I get this guy type of bid. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. That's why it's going to be fun this week, and that's why I love doing my weekly recaps and Fab, just because I can see the. Some guys go for a buck still. It blows my mind. And then you see a, he goes for 400 in another league. It is the the 12s are just ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. But um, that'll do it, my friend. Uh, another great time chatting with you. Why don't you remind everybody what you got going on and where they can find you? Yeah, uh, roadwire.com slash pod for a free trial. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I tweet out everything from there. Uh, podcast every wednesday under the roadwire fantasy baseball feed or the roadwire prospects podcast feed uh on the radio uh, most fridays and saturdays for the next two weeks around lunchtime sirius xm uh that's about it yeah everybody i get, pretty sure if you're listening to my show you follow james anderson but just if you don't fix that somehow but uh, as always my friend i appreciate chatting with you and thanks for joining me yeah sure thing thanks bye Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 586 with James Anderson talking potential prospects for 2023. Catch you all later. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.